buying a property without a lease, I might have had the attorney hold some money in escrow until I got the tenant out and looking back. Say, great, I'm going to buy this. Here's half your money now. I'm going to hold this other half in escrow. You'll get that once the person's out. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fun That Flip. And they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fun That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times given us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. And you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price super important. You can print out all the detailed reports and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. With us today, We've got a returning guest who, if you want to hear his best ever advice, then go listen to episode 308, How to Be a Social Media Expert. I believe that. Is that your episode? I don't know if that's your episode, Ross. I'll have to double check that. I am a social media expert and uh, run a social media company, so. Well, we'll go with that. that. <laughs> then that is yours. That is yours. The title wasn't jiving with me, but okay, it, that's yours. 308. It's confirmed, best ever listeners. With us today, he's going to talk about a sticky situation he was in because it's Saturday. How you doing, Ross Hamilton? I'm doing really well, and it's going to feel this is, this therapy session is going to be going to be great for me here. So I'm I'm really excited to jump into it. Yeah. So Ross is on a metaphorical leather couch, laying down. He's about to tell us about the situation he was in, so that if we were to come across a similar situation, we know how to handle it. Ross is the CEO of Connected Investors. He's been nominated by Entrepreneur Magazine as an Emerging Entrepreneur of the Year in 2011. He is based in North Carolina, and he wrote the book, Real Estate Investing in Your 20s. So that being said, before we get into the story, Ross, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background so we have some context? Absolutely. And it's bringing up the book, uh, Real Estate Investing in Your 20s. I wrote that well over a decade ago. And uh, for any young listeners, definitely get your hands on that. Maybe I'll even let you know where you can get it for free. It's an awesome book. But I started investing in real estate at a young age when I realized that most millionaires held their wealth, became wealthy through real estate. I just wanted to play the odds. So I decided to jump right into real estate. I went to a community college. I was going to transfer to the four-year university to save, save money. But then I got into real estate, and by the time it was transfer time, 
I already had dozens of properties, so I figured out what I was going to do with my life. And I've really seen, gosh, I'd like to say it all, but the world keeps surprising me. <laughs> I've been a part of hundreds and hundreds of deals, residential, commercial, land development, all sorts of crazy finance. You know, when you start with nothing, you got to just figure it out. You got to be scrappy. You can't take no for an answer because that's all you hear. So I figured it out. I made it through. And while I was doing that, I accidentally started a technology company before tech companies were cool, before Silicon Valley was something everyone knew about, and to solve a simple solution on finding and connecting with other investors. And I founded ConnectedInvestors.com, which is a social network for real estate investors, different than the forums for real estate investors, the social network for real estate investors. So you guys are more than welcome to check that out. But I've been investing in real estate, technology companies, and anything that's a good deal for a long time now. So I'm really excited to share a unique perspective on the real estate market from the tech side and also the real estate side. All right. Well, if best ever listeners, if you want to learn more about his background, then feel free to check out that episode. Today, we're going to talk about a specific situation that you were in and Boy, by what it sounded like initially when you were saying, oh man, I can't wait to get this off my chest. I'm really interested in what the situation is and how you overcame it. So tell us the story. Once upon a time, <laughs> when I was running around all the courthouses looking for pre-foreclosures, I would find the best pre-foreclosures and I just identified a good pre-foreclosure as a note that was over five years old. That means the person who had been living in the house lived there for five or more years. So based on that time in the economy, there was a lot of equity in it. I would take those and I would go knock on doors, right? I was hungry. Wasn't going to let anything stand in my way. Knocked on all these doors. I found this one property right outside my town. And I was like, this is a pretty good deal, right? Knocking on the door, a tenant answered. It was kind of a little rude to me, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to find the owner. Found the owner, contacted him wound up buying the property off them for like twenty dollars or $30,000. It was a property that was worth about $150,000. And I was able to pull that money together just through some friends and family because it wasn't really a lot of money. I had some of my own money. I was able to get into the property, get some creative finance. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. So there was a time frame that I had to pay that money back. Just like with any loan, there's a due date. This was an easy deal, Joe. I mean, this was just <laughs> kind of a carpet and paint type rehab, wrap the house in vinyl, put it on the market. This was in Jacksonville, North Carolina at a time when all of these Marines were moving to Jacksonville, North Carolina because they just closed the base down in Fayetteville, North Carolina. The supply and demand was completely in my favor. I was going to put it up for 125 I was in my early 20s, so that was... Grand, grand slam, baby. Grand slam, you know, <laughs> worst case scenario, 50 to 75,000 in profit. I was going to retire my 20s. That's like <laughs> yep. $5 million today to me. Write your second book. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So hit the ground running with this property, right? I go to the property. I'm talking to the tenant. I'm like, hey, I just bought the property. Here's your notice to vacate. The problem was I didn't have a lease when I bought this property. And that was a really, really big problem because the person I bought it from had lost the lease. I'm like, okay. Talks to the tenant. He's like, all right, I'll be out in a few weeks. I'm like, all right, well, great. I'm going to go ahead and start the construction on the outside of the house. <laughs> so I had the roofers out there. I had the vinyl siding guys out there and all this. And then 
they're all done, and my contractor's like, I can't get in the house. So I talk to the guy, and he keeps giving me the runaround, right? And I'm like, all right, well, you got to go at, at some point. So I filed eviction paperwork and did everything I could, but the clock is really ticking here. And this was supposed to be in and out. And this guy was just so nice, but just not listening. You know, he was very nice, but still saying no. So because this is a semi-short episode here, what wound up happening is I had to take the guy to court. So while I'm in court, the clock is also ticking. So first time I go to court, this guy goes to the judge and tells him that I disposed of a dead body on his property. I can't make this up. I disposed of a dead body in, the, I forget the exact legal terms, in like the wrong way because he had a car that was on his property that I got towed off. I mentioned it to him. He said, fine, it's a junker. Someone gave me 200 bucks, took the car, and there, supposedly there was a dead body in the car. Oh. So the judge is like, what the heck is going on here? And me, I didn't even have any representation. I'm this 20-year-old this twenty year old punk. This guy is about 54 years old, and he's also a preacher of some church that I don't know if ever if it ever really existed, but he was always blessing me. Anyway, so <laughs> turns out there was also in this car an antique tea set that he won from The Price is Right. <laughs> really can't make this stuff up. Anyway, all of that craziness aside, the judge dismissed it, and the guy got to stay in the property. So now what's happening is my hard money is coming due, right? I got to make payments, and this, this financing is costing me a lot. I paid a lot because I didn't think I was going to have an issue with this. So I finally get him to court again. I have all my paperwork right, finally had some legal representation, paid an attorney a bunch of money to be there, and this guy, no joke, his name is Charles Lewis, I will tell you his real name, he fakes a seizure in the courtroom. Case gets dismissed again. Oh. <laughs> my jaw is just on, on the ground. And again, let's take this back to the original lesson. I didn't have a lease to get the guy out of the house. I was too excited, Joe. I was like, this is a great deal. Let's do it. Okay, no lease, fine. I didn't have legal counsel in the beginning. Made a lot of mistakes, but that's what happens when you go for it sometimes. Oh. So then finally oh. I get the guy out of the house. While this, is, while this is happening, it's just – he didn't have any more excuses. He couldn't fake a seizure in the courtroom again. He couldn't try to tell me I was going to go to jail for a dead body. And, I mean, these things, honestly, I feel stupid now, but I was scared because I really didn't know what the repercussions were. I took this guy out to dinner and had a nice conversation with him. I tried to pay him to leave. I was like, if you are out, I will give you $5,000 cash. Wow. He wouldn't leave. He had been living in that property for so long without paying that it was his property. So everyone on the line here is probably thinking, wow, that's the worst of it. It's not the worst of it. So I need to find some more hard money or private money to replace my loan. And finding lenders at that time was really hard. All you could really do is ask people, hey, do you know anyone or would you lend on this? Plus I had all the money out of my pocket because I was doing the construction on the house and it was really, really difficult for me to find another hard money lender. I couldn't find one. So all I could do was wholesale the house. So I was at my local RIA. I told the people at the RIA, I said, I got a great deal. It's half rehab. I'm just having some problems getting the tenant out of the property. This guy stood up. He's like, I'll buy it from you. I'm like, great. So 
I sold it to him. I sold it to the investor, and I made maybe five thousand bucks. Probably not though. Like I walked away from the closing with five thousand. With all the little money I spent running all over the place, I might have broke even. My dream of having that seventy-five thousand dollars was just gone, and I was just looking for another deal. So what happened is two weeks later, sitting on my front porch, I get a phone call from a fire marshal, and they asked me, do you own the property over here on, you know, and they mentioned the address. I'm like, no, I sold that property. I'm like, why? They're like, oh, because it's in flames. So when the guy finally got evicted, he burnt the house down. And I was on the phone with the fire marshal, and I said, you need to grab that guy. That's arson. I was so upset because he had taken all that potential money away from me. And this was, gosh, over a decade ago. And then he wound up burning the house down. And the investor that bought it from me bought it all cash and didn't get insurance on it because it was like three days after he bought it, he didn't have the insurance policy. So the investor had to put his money in it and no one wound up making any money on that deal. Wow. Wow. That has the most twists and turns in any of the stories I've ever heard on this show. Yeah, when you asked me, tell me about a tough time, it all came back and my heart rate started to go up. So uh, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. Yeah, and we'll recap the lessons. I was writing some down too, but did the investor who bought it from you come back to you and say, hey, Ross, buddy, hook me up here? He had flipped hundreds and hundreds of properties. He messed up. He was able to get the person out of the house, but because he had so much cash, he didn't get insurance on the property fast enough. He just wrote a check. He didn't follow the proper closing procedures. And who would have thought that someone was going to burn the house down? So he was able to recoup his money right around where it was. And it was about a third of the house that kind of burnt up. And But it was a lesson for both of us for sure. But he laughs about it now. Did that guy go to jail? Nope. Not for that anyway. <laughs> I'm just curious, kind of off topic. I always stay on topic. But did he go to jail for something else that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, the guy was scamming the person that I bought the house from. When you're buying an investment property, a lot of times you're inheriting the problems. Your real estate investors are problem solvers. And getting a tenant out doesn't seem like a big problem. If you don't have a lease and the person's just completely crazy and also smart. This was outside of my hometown to where when we would go to the courtroom, he would say hi to like 10 people there that he knew. (laughs) He was like a guy around the town. And then here I am, this little kid trying to kick him out of his house. So... Wow, that's next level psychopath. Yeah, but they're out there. Yeah, well, so let's talk about the lessons. The lessons I wrote down to protect us against next level psychopaths are one, make sure that you have the leases in order before you buy a property. And if you don't, then talk to legal representation and figure out what type of solutions there are, which is number two. When you went to court, make sure that we have an attorney present and representing us, regardless of the fee, because in the long run, it's going to make us more money or at least save us time where we can make more money than if we don't have legal representation. And then three, holy cow, get an insurance policy on the property effective at closing. Yeah, you know, a lot of times, guys, if you're doing creative finance, kitchen table type closings, if you're doing subject twos. There's a lot of times where you might skip over some steps that you can't skip over. 
when you're getting financing. If you're borrowing private money, like I was, from an investor that wasn't necessarily a professional real estate investor, there's a lot of opportunities to forget very, very important steps that you would never be allowed to forget if you were going the traditional way. In addition, I'd add that buying a property without a lease, I might have had the attorney hold some money in escrow until I got the tenant out and looking back. Say, great, I'm going to buy this. Here's half your money now. I'm going to hold this other half in escrow. You'll get that once the person's out, depending on how, to, how you would word that. Maybe you can help from the person, but just a little uh, insurance policy. <laughs> that's a great point, and that's when you don't have a lease that's properly documented. There should be a big red light that's flashing, and then we should pay attention to it and then figure out what's the best course of action. That certainly could be a solution, and I think that the most important thing is that go talk to an attorney and come up with perhaps that solution and maybe others and make sure they're worded properly so that if we do have a tenant who is buddy-buddy with the entire court system locally, that we have it documented properly so that there's no way that they can weasel their way out of it through a personal friendship. This is an extreme example. I don't want this to well, extreme scare examples people. Are, but extreme examples are the best ways to learn. But good and bad. I guess you're right. Yeah. And it helps with ratings too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well I want to try to find him and send him a glitter bomb if all those things come out. He was the first person I thought of. Just send him a weekly glitter bomb. I haven't I, I haven't I, put my time into the negative, just been focusing on the positive exactly, and exactly um, move forward. That's one thing I do want to ask you about as far as you know. A lot of people, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan, and Tony Robbins talks about how significance is a human need, and we get it through positive and negative ways. Some people, negative, where if they have a stomach ache, and they always have a stomach ache because that's a way that they can complain, and they can talk about how bad their stomach ache is. And then other people who have the negative way of getting significance, they say, oh, well, your stomach hurts? Well, I just lost my job, and I don't know what to do, and my wife left me. How about that? And they're always trying to one-up each other on the bad stuff, whereas other people who focus on the positive, they get their significance from more empowering ways like volunteering or closing a deal or smiling at strangers and going about it that way. So you just mentioned that you rather focus on the positive. Has that mentality always been there, or did you make a shift at a certain point in your career? You know, when you have like a really clear, concise mission, it almost just eliminates the negative talk because it has absolutely nothing to do with where you want to be. Sending Charles Lewis <laughs> a glitter bomb, although I'd sit at home and snicker, is not going to help me build the residual income that I want. So my strongest trait is persistence. And that stuff's always kind of been in the rearview mirror. Now, I'm very hard on myself because I'm so driven, and that's where I have to constantly be aware of being hard on myself. And I know a lot of people out there are, but as far as focusing on the negative things, I just roll with the punches, move on. I heard a quote that I can't quote, right? But it's just talked about how your success is often the equivalent of how many big problems you've solved, mm. how many big messes you've been in. You know, and it just just talks about just facing your challenges. There was a long period of time where I'd, if there was confrontation, I'd go the other way. And successful people you know, kind of run toward 
those problems, right? Like big problems are from avoiding a lot of small problems. Think about that. Big problems are from avoiding a lot of small problems. So if you're constantly running away from problems and confrontation, then you're just going to have more big problems. So you let all the little small ones add up. <laughs> so think True. about what you're running away yeah. from daily, and there's probably some great growth there. And nobody has it figured out, but as Joe pointed out, just starting to recognize, to tell yourself, um, knowing when you're out of the mind frame that you need to be in is such an important step in getting in the mind frame that you want to be in. So many good sound bites and takeaways. And I mean, even a quote that I know I'm going to write down somewhere other than the notes that I just took, big problems are a result of avoiding a bunch of small problems. So, so, so true. I love that. Well, Ross, what is the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you and your organization? To kind of tie it back to the initial story with funding and everything we did, I had such a hard time at a early age, especially early in my career, in an early age, finding good, hard, and private money lenders that can lend on all the different types of deals that we have. And also being the CEO of one of the world's largest social networks of real estate investors, we see people constantly saying, hey, I need money, I need money, I have this deal, I need money. Does anyone know a private lender in this area? And we've all seen the different ways people kind of tell you to go about finding private lenders, but we actually grabbed the bull by the horns about two and a half years ago and started developing out uh, CIX.com. It's the Connected Investors Exchange, CIX.com. And you can literally go to that website. All my contact info is there on the bottom of the page. and Answer a few simple questions about any real estate investment you have, commercial, residential, purchase, or refinance, and then local private and hard money lenders that have been professionally vetted by us will compete to fund your deals. This is a really big deal. We actually had the CEO of LendingTree help us put this thing together because funding for real estate investors was so fragmented. It was so hard to find a good source of capital. And sometimes you would, and then you'd go back to that person and they're out of money or they're no longer lending on that type of program. So something I'm super proud of is through all of these challenges I've had and the challenges I've seen others have, we just wanted to solve the funding problem once and for all. And if you go to CIX.com, you can see what it is. It's just it's push button. At the end, when local lenders will call you and start talking to you about your deals. We just had an intern jump on board here, kid's 20 years old. He's been with us for about almost three weeks. He has a property under contract, got it funded on CIX.com. He's all over our Facebook and Instagram. All those links are at the bottom of CIX.com. But it's just so great to be able to solve that problem. So when you're in a pinch, when you meet a Charles Lewis and you have to refinance a property, you can easily find the funding you want. So, yeah, that's what we've been up to and super excited about getting the word out about that. Awesome. And you mentioned your book earlier. Is there anything as it relates to your book? Yeah, actually, if you guys just go to connectedinvestors.com, there's a little insights button across the top, and then you can download my book for free. Oh, sweet. You're more than welcome to go buy it on Amazon for 12 bucks to get a hard copy, which is great, but the digital copy, connectedinvestors.com, click the insights, download it. If you're in your 20s, read that, because the reason this book is so cool is because I wrote it while I was investing. And this is a really powerful exercise in kind of visioning the person you wanted to be. But I wrote a book about how to become a real estate millionaire before I had purchased my first property. I started writing the book. This book took me seven years to write because I felt 
after that seven-year period, I'd reached the level of wealth to where I could put this book out. But it's really cool. I haven't seen it in any other book written like this. Usually people look back over their career and write a real estate book. Mine was written during the journey. You're in the middle of the storm. Yes, exactly. I think the Charles Lewis story is in there. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Ross, thank you for being on the show again. I hope you have a best ever weekend and looking forward to checking out CIX.com as well as staying in touch, my friend. Great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundnatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference. They want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.